It's the pastor's heart. I'm Dominic Steele and today our pastor's hearts are in New York City and we are remembering Tim Keller in this special edition. Just a few hours ago, all the congregations of Redeemer Presbyterian gathered together in New York City. It had been an event planned for a long time, a vision night for how the five congregations might work together going forward. But in the hours before the event, it took on a very different nature as the congregation got news that founder Tim Keller had died. Tim Keller and his wife Kathy planted Redeemer Presbyterian in 1989. He's had a massive impact on New York City and on ministry to cities across the world. He was a pastor, prolific author, co-founder of the Gospel Coalition and founder of the City to City Network. My friend, journalist Tony Carnes, has been there in New York for the whole journey. Tony is a member of Redeemer. He joined the church just a year after the Kellers started it. He was an elder for eight years. He hosts the nycreligion.info webpage, tracking the faith journey of that city. He's written a major obituary on his pastor, Tim, and we have linked to that in the show notes. He is just back from that Redeemer Joint Congregation meeting. Well, Tony, tell us about your heart and the heart, the emotion in the room. We decided to, uh, a couple of months ago, decided to, to come together to um, you know, work on having a common vision and, and keeping in contact with each other. And we did not know, uh, had planned uh, that, uh, with Tim Keller and Kathy, uh, the plan was that they would be there Tim Keller and his wife, Kathy. And, but then, of course, he was struck down uh, this morning. And there's a, there's a general feeling that this was really ordained by God. That is, it was coordinated. The timing was exactly right. It, the whole, all the five congregations uh, had come together. And normally, they don't come together. Tim Keller had had pre-recorded a greetings and an outline of the future vision. And he uh, and he wasn't able to make it because his seat is in heaven. And we, we, our, we, our uh, audio equipment doesn't extend that far. But uh, it, people really felt like um, it was so meaningful. It was a very meaningful that we used the uh, Salvation Army Auditorium uh, on 14th Street is their national headquarters auditorium, and so it's quite big. And uh, we had um, a time of a service, uh, a time of um, uh, songs, and they were so strongly uh, felt and sung, sang, uh, sung by the audience. Uh, and we then we had the pastors from each of the uh, particular uh, congregations that used to make up a singular, you know, uh, Redeemer, but now they're Redeemer of different places in New York City, Manhattan. And they talked a little bit about their own reminiscences and their own uh, feelings at this moment. And uh, I remember one particular um, story that uh, Reverend David Bisgrove, who is the pastor of our Redeemer West Side, we call it, and Manhattan is made up of West Side, East Side, Lower East Side, <laughs> Village, uh, you know, Chelsea, you know, so forth, all of these areas of Manhattan. But the West Side, 
which includes uh, the classic uh, Jewish area of the West Side all the way up to Columbia University. And David Bisgrove uh, gets up and he says, well, on it, he hadn't seen uh, Tim for a long time, a relatively long time. Uh, and But he went to, to the hospital to visit with Tim on Wednesday. And Tim was um, at that point not too conscious. And so David leaned over uh, Tim and kissed him on his bald forehead. And, and Kathy, his wife, said, tell him you'll meet him on the other side. And David said, you know, Tim, my friend, I'll meet you on the other side. Um, like, when say it's just a, a, a moment of uh, great uh, power, emotion. You feel God in that moment. Um, Tim was uh, conscious um, for quite a bit of time uh, earlier in the week. And he was definitely on duty as his pastor. He had a 12-year-old uh, relative come to him, and he said, well, how am I going to talk to her? So he calls somebody. <laughs> he calls somebody and says, how do I relate to a 12-year-old? <laughs> there from the hospital bed, Tim was still learning his ministry. <laughs> um, so that was the type of stories that were being told. Tim Keller uh, had this... Um, big impact, but not because he was a particularly showy preacher, uh, not because the music was uh, particularly, you know, uh, blasting like a, a rock concert uh, with, a, you know, good music, but he had a uh, focus on the gospel and had a very uh, remarkable way to distill what he was reading the gospel and apply it and talk about the questions people in New York City were asking. It was a particular um, a skill to say discern what was the really the really important point of contact, or the the, the the how the God's word would come right down into that person's life in that situation, and would summarize and explain and lead one through that situation. As a member of Redeemer and a long-time elder, uh, what's been happening emotionally for you over the last 24 hours? I, I'd say two things. Number one, Tim I've squeezed his exhibit of God's grace in every single ounce of his life. Um, he, he just made sure that people knew. He told his wife, Kathy, um, who in the last conversation he had, uh, he said, um, well, you know, it's time. I need to go to Jesus. Um, and um, he said, he told her a... Um, um, and he told the family, um, he said, I'm, I'm thankful. The, the last time he met with the family, he said, I'm thankful for all the people who prayed for me over the years. I'm, I'm thankful for my family that loves me. I'm thankful for the time God has given me 
but I'm ready to see Jesus. I can't wait to see Jesus. Send me home. The very last time is he waited for everybody to go out to be alone with Kathy. And she kissed him in the forehead. And his last words, there is no downside for me leaving, not in the slightest. Because he knew that he was going to heaven. And that um, sort of a, so it, we had a sort of a terrible um, sense of loss, but also a, a terrific sense of joy. So how do you mix those two together? Well, it's, um, we, we just had both. And uh, so we're happy, we're, we're thankful, and um, they, um, so tonight we, we got to see a lot of old friends, a lot of pastors that have come through the church, a lot of uh, people. Um, we know that uh, Tim was such a, a large presence you know, you, you think, oh, now we're on our own. <laughs> but uh, people are ready. Just tell us, Tony, about um, some of the, uh, well, the moments with the congregation and the hugs that you've had with friends at church tonight. They were talking about personal things, catching up, um, talking about getting together, trying to know, you know, what was going on. All of these things were going on, and... Um, Sometimes they were just talking about Tim and, and his family. And, but there was a general feeling that this was a really good moment for, for the church and we hope for the city. What is the big headline of Tim Keller's life? Well, I, of course, for the obituary, I, I, I called the headline Move to Heaven because um, that's uh, what he did. It's uh, not like uh, we often say, you know, he died at such and such time and so forth. And, or we, I just thought that I would just put it in New York vernacular, he moved to heaven. But I would say maybe that the thing that um, the, my sub, my, the second line in my uh, article is uh, maybe the headline for Tim. He was one of the most insightful presenters of the good news of God's forgiveness, acceptance, and the charge to change the world for the better in God's glory. In other words, he was a presenter, but he was very insightful. And he had three things he wanted to get you to. One, he wanted you to know that you're forgiven. You know, that you, all the rotten stuff you do in your life, God has forgiven that. Why is he forgiven that? Because he's accepted his son taking the punishment for you. <laughs> so we're accepted. We're not only forgiven. We're now accepted by God. It's not like, you know, the cold forgiveness we give people. I forgive you. I forgive you. But it's rather cold sometimes, you know. It's sort of like, uh, okay, I'll forgive you. But then the bigger step is we accept and then out of that position of freedom from punishment or 
uh, or from our own sins and acceptance before God, we can go out and he says we need to be, um, this is what he means living on the knife edge, we need to be praying for the gospel. We have, we are accepted. Nobody in New York can reject us if we're living in, in Christ. And we need to push out and and change the world with that from that position. That involves, of course, evangelism. It involves um, doing things that uh, Jesus did. It, it involves um, being able to, um, ideally, if we, if we in, in Mimic 10, seeing exactly what the situation is, and at least know the essence of the situation, and maybe we can get to a solution. Tony, tell us about the New York before Tim Keller arrived. I, as a young college student, I had a, a, a um, internship at a police station in the South Bronx. South Bronx has, um, you know, a, a, about a million people in it. But at that time, 44% of the South Bronx burned down. I remember coming out of the police precinct and going down the biggest road in the South Bronx. That's just north of Manhattan. And it was just burnt out building after burnt out building. And in each building, there was different criminals. There were the prostitutes who skated naked on roller skates up and down the boulevard. There were the drug dealers in every building. And there was quite a bit of violence. I would sit, uh, the police wanted to sort of joke with me because I was a young college student. They probably felt, you know, inexperienced and didn't know what the street was like. They would come back from their, uh, with their prisoners, a tour, and they would throw all the weapons they confiscated, machetes, uh, guns, shotguns, so forth on the counter. Then they go in for coffee and leave me with all the prisoners and all the weapons <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. What am I going to do? Then the 80s, you start to move and get some movement in Manhattan. And Tim Keller comes in 1989. Now, it still was a pretty rough place. Um, there still was lots of burnout buildings. There still was a lot of crime. Uh, it wasn't unusual to have a, a dead body on your doorstep in the morning. I I, I lived in Harlem, and uh, I had a number of times I would go out, and on my doorstep would be a dead person, shot, overdose. Um, but there was this move out in the boroughs, like in Bronx, where it was really bad, and in Brooklyn, Queens. And Manhattan starts to change. It was key, wasn't it, that Tim wasn't from New York? He was an outsider. He comes to New York and he offers a new way of doing church uh, in 1989. And probably you had to have an outsider. <clears throat> insiders, it's very hard for insiders to want to change. They're either defensive and they're afraid of making any move that they'll you know, get destroyed or uh, collapse. Or uh, they're not, they're satisfied with the way the status quo is. Generally, big change starts with outsiders coming in and they undermine the status quo and they see new ways and different things to doing it and people are waiting for new things. There is a secular story that religion was dead in the city. New York 
city, Manhattan, was pretty secular and, and fairly hostile, particularly to uh, Christianity. And yet, what they were doing was failing. They had a, a society that was ruined, and they started to turn, and here comes Tim Keller that undermines every stereotype they have of an evangelical preacher. He's intelligent. He's a, 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 a very easy-to-listen, reasonable voice. He's caring. He has a lot of integrity. And I said, who is this guy? And as one Jewish professor put it to me, it says, well, you know, they're not enough of that type. <laughs> well, um, Tim was a surprise, and people were waiting for it. And so you get people um, from showbiz and from business and from the universities. They start to come in, and Tim studied very hard how to talk to into their situation. And it started very small, 20, 30 people but quickly became 150, 160, and then within a pretty short time, 1,000. Tim Keller played a significant part in turning that narrative around. What Tim's impact was is that he was the biggest example, not the only example, of a, an intelligent, uh, he was a Calvinist and you know a Reformed uh, preacher, very biblical, uh, but very uh, compassionate. He was an exemplar of that. And so when they started looking around for, you know, when I would tell them or other people would tell them, says, well, you know, there's a lot going on in the city you don't know. They could go and see Tim and see for themselves. It wasn't all smooth sailing. Um, admin organization was a problem. Tim was not a really a particularly good administrator. And so they, were, they had too many people and they didn't know how to handle them. Uh, so they got, uh, they brought in a, another pastor who was also trained at Harvard Business School named uh, Richard Kaufman, Dick Kaufman. And he, he could do the management for, T, uh, for TM. And so they started, uh, and then they brought in uh, a little bit later um, a, uh, an executive from Silicon Valley, um, Catherine Leary, uh, all-star. She's gotten married since then. Uh, and she handled their work and uh, workplace ministry and also gave advice on many other management things. So they, they were able to order things so that they could Tim could put the focus on the preaching and on the caring for people. A Redeemer started a lot of, um, uh, did a lot of partnerships with uh, uh, faith-based uh, compassion organizations. And then finally... They created a, um, a church planning center that became Redeemer City to City, which has been planning, uh, working with church planners all over Asia, for example, and in Australia, I think. 9-11 was a significant marker in the New York faith journey. I remember I called him uh, on 9-11. Um, my editor had called me, and uh, after the... Um, the first plane had uh, hit the uh, trade towers on September 11th, 2001. And the, my editor called 
which was just right after nine o'clock. And he said, get to work. So one of the people I called as I started, um, my office at that point was only right down the street from the World Trade Tower. And so one of my first calls was Tim to Tim. And this was after both towers had fallen. And he said, you know, and he had maybe one of the wisest discernments of the day. He says, you know, the, the, the terrorist attackers were so diabolical. It's, they destroyed the towers. Now, when we ever look at that part of the Manhattan, we see and feel the empty space. They pushed themselves by tearing down and killing a lot of lives, by tearing down two, those two towers. They created a sort of an emptiness that everybody in Manhattan would see every single day of their life. He says that was a diabolically brilliant, and he meant diabolical in a real sense. He said, but I, I felt, he said, told me, he said, I felt, you know, hatred welling up into my heart. You know, I really, this got, hatred rose, and I realized, well, we're going to have to deal with that too. <laughs> that uh, the hatred in our own heart is not the solution to um, overcoming evil. And so right there, in a very quick way, he summarized up what the attack was doing, how, what kind of influence it was having on us. And then he talked about, you know, how God's grace can move us forward into a way that it fills the vacuum. The skyline comes a skyline for God and it fills our heart. And he did all of that just just very quickly. I called many people that day uh, and I visited quite a few. And um, his was the most brilliant. He just had a way to to distill the the essence. And that's what his preaching, why people would hear it. Uh, it there, um, there were two things. So one uh, person I talked to um, uh, recently, uh, today, <laughs> very recent, uh, said that, you know, it was Tim was um, Tim Keller. It certainly was very smart, very intellectual. That was part of it. That appealed to New Yorkers. They could see that this was a very sophisticated thinker. But deeper down, there was this fierce grip of God's spirit in his heart, in his personal life. And it came through that what he was saying was not a performance, not a intellectual game, but came from a deep place in his soul. And so you take somebody who has great discernment in a situation, seems to be coming from a great place in his soul. These are, and it, it, it had a big impact on people. He was a significant debater, apologist. He also, uh, in discussions and even debate, uh, uh, Tim stopped debating because there really nobody could debate him. Uh, he debated the head of the Humanist Society from Harvard, and who was a really nice guy, but it, it obviously wasn't in Tim's level of thinking. And um, so Tim ended up sort of debating himself, trying to give the questions to, to the guy. What about encouragement of other churches? So that started to happen. There were other ch people, churches, that were getting going and also demonstrating that in their own way. Uh, there was Times Square Church, was more charismatic Pentecostal orientation. Uh, 
There's now a, a church that by a guy that was inspired by Tim uh, Keller, uh, John Tyson, an Australian, has started uh, Church of the City and been a very successful church on Manhattan and several other branches. Um, and other people started to say, oh, you know, maybe religion's not dead in New York. We can found churches. And 2001, 9-11-2001 was significant. It wasn't so much that it brought people to looking about to God. That, that did happen in Manhattan, not in the boroughs, but it did happen in Manhattan. But all of a sudden, people all over the United States and the world came here uh, to help New York because they felt there were no churches. One very famous evangelist with a very famous family name came in, a really good guy, and says, I came here because there are no churches, so I went to help. And yet there were a lot of churches being founded, and Redeemer had a big role in that, not the only role. Tim did one thing that was very good. He said, I'm going to create a network of church planners, and we're going to help people regardless of their denomination. If they're Christ-centered, they're evangelical, they believe the Word of God, we're going to help them. And so he created sort of a, a coalition that became very strong because they were going cross lines, and they all started getting on that we want to plant churches. Tony, thanks so much for talking with us. You're welcome. It's so good to see you, Dominic. Uh, I admire you so much and, uh, you know, best to you. God's blessings. And it has been lovely to talk to you tonight, Tony, and uh, to have this conversation with you. I'm so thankful for our friendship over the years and for this chance to touch base together to talk about Tim, uh, what he's meant for you, for your church family, for New York and his impact on the world. That's Tony Carnes. Check out his website, nycreligions.info, and particularly his biography on his pastor, Tim Keller. This is The Pastor's Heart. My name's Dominic Steele. We'll look forward to your company next week. Mm-hmm.